We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines. Um, I'm Joe Quinn, and my co-host this week is Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. Uh, this week, we are talking to, as you may have read, we are talking to John Ryman. Uh, the topic of our show this week is, briefly, who is Jihadi John? But uh, we're not talking to Jihadi John, we're talking to John Ryman. They're very different people. Uh, although they have something in common. Uh, John has been investigating this kind of whole world of um, kind of arch-terrorist masterminds for probably for the past uh, few years. He's published uh, so far two video documentaries, one on the infamous um, uh, White Widow, otherwise known as uh, Samantha Luthwaite, and more recently uh, a guy called Abdel Bari, who was last year, who was... Uh, suspected of being the Jihadi John, the guy who likes to make uh, YouTube videos of him supposedly beheading Western hostages on camera and terrifying Western populations. And so John is now also investigating the next person who has come uh, on the radar, I suppose, as being Jihadi John, because this first guy who they said was Jihadi John last year, they've now dismissed him. He was an English rapper or is an English rapper and he's He's got some shady connections, but apparently he's not Jihadi John. There's another guy uh, whose name is Muhammad Mwazi. Now, he, we are being told, is the Jihadi John, uh, and he's got a whole interesting history as well. But anyway, uh, John Ryman, welcome to the show. Good evening. Uh, so, well, just maybe, John, we'll just get into... Um, well, I've already said you... Uh, we, we had you on the show last year talking about the White Widow, Um and a kind of very strange, dubious, suspect uh, kind of background that she that she has and what she is alleged to have done in uh, in Africa and and in, uh, in Kenya in the uh, the Westgate shopping mall attack. She was supposedly the, the arch um, master thunder master mastermind yeah. behind that, which is really implausible when you look at her. She's just this kind of pasty white twenty thirty something thirty something. Uh, English girl, you know. Um, so you did a you did a documentary on that, and then you've done one more recently that we watched um, uh, on Jihadi John. I think it's just called Jihadi John on a YouTube ch- channel. Uh, so give us a bit of uh, give us a bit of background on, on this Jihadi John, the first guy, let's say the uh, Abdul Barry. Yeah, Abdul Barry, the rapper. Well, uh, he's now known as Jihadi George because oh yeah, uh, yeah, he's Jihadi George now. Um, the mainstream media really have kind of lent over themselves to use the Beatles analogy. So you've got John, George, and I, I presume at some point we'll get uh, Ringo and Paul, which is <laughs> right, yeah, um, a little odd and, and quite um, disheartening, I suppose, for uh, the remaining Beatles. Um, but moving on from that. Um, Abdul Barry was in the media focus for, I guess, about a year, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. 
Um, as you pointed out in your introduction, he is a rapper. He's you know from central London, and um, his shady past is well, I mean, quite a long, um, quite a long story. But to praise it down quite quickly, um, his father is uh, currently in a supermax prison in America. Um, for terrorism charges connected with a 1998 incident in East Africa, um, which was one of the kind of opening shots or salvos, if you want to call that, of this current war on terror, which, you know, obviously goes back quite a long way before. I mean, a lot of people think it started in 2001, obviously, um, with 9-11, but it really goes back to, I guess, 98, 90 three possibly mm-hmm. uh, where there were quite a lot of big incidents incidents um revolving around your classic sort of islamic radicals um jihadis um right well 1993 you had the first world trade center bombing exactly yeah when- um, that's really where i would sort of pinpoint the beginning of the grand theater um we'll get on to i I hope we can get onto you know this whole idea of it being theatre because it I've kind of come to the conclusion now since I last talked to you that it's all pure theatre. Um, you mentioned Samantha Luthway. I'll, I don't want to deviate too much from your question, Abdel Barry, but uh, Luthway, since I made the uh, documentary on Luthway, the only news of significance that's really come out about her is she popped up in Ukraine. And the minute I heard that, I thought, come on, this is now we're going off into, uh, I don't know, pure fantasy land. Um, She's, you know, that would have meant effectively that she would have had to travel by land. She can't get on a plane, of course, by land from her base in East Africa up to the Ukraine, which is completely and utterly 100 percent impossible. Zero possibility of that happening. Zero. Mm. Um, And uh, she was killed there. Um, he had a lot of stories in places like the Mail. I think it might have made some of the bigger UK papers and, and quite possibly some of the American papers that she was killed by sniper. And then uh, was I it, think... Was this on the... during the the coup last year in Ukraine? Yeah, it, it was It was revolving around some of the um, well, the, the ongoing trouble slash war, you know, that's that's been going on there. She just... Uh, I don't have a lot of info about it because I just completely dismissed it. I didn't really yeah. want to dig, dig, dig too deep in it because it gives me a headache thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it kind of boggles the mind what a what a jihadi yeah. would be doing yeah. in Ukraine, you know? I mean, at that, that point, you really have to kind of, if that's not a flag directly in your face that this thing from the beginning to the end was pure theatre, then I really, frankly, don't know what more you have to present to people. I mean, I don't know how much more evidence you need to give people so i've kind of i've sort of the samantha Luthwaite thing i'm done with as pure theater the abdul barry thing uh he's been shuffled off uh the last going back to barry now um the, the last real kind of news worthy stuff about him was that he was captured by uh fellow sort of syrian uh rebels um tortured and somehow managed to escape, got back to the front lines, um, and that was pretty much that. He's been kind of shuffled off into the into the background now, and he's kind of exited stage right 
And we have a new character now who's been introduced stage left, which is Mohammed Mwazi. And um, that's really, I guess, our, our, our starting point tonight, really, is, is you know, how, how he's popped up, um, where he's popped up from, who is he, uh, what kind of background he comes from. Um, the whole story behind him is really, frankly, almost as ludicrous, but not quite as ludicrous as Abdel Barry. Because mm, I've, uh, I was, um, I was looking at the at Abdel Bari, you know. I, I didn't realize actually. It was just recently, in the past couple of months, that this new guy has been uh, announced. I think it was a Washington Post announced uh, this new guy um, as the as the new as, as the real broadsheet. Right. Yeah. That they announced that this was uh, this was a jihadi John and Abdel Bari had gone because I still had in my mind that it was this uh, rapper guy uh, from the UK and he uh, from London and this new guy from London as well but the previous guy who you said has been shuffled off you mentioned his father was um, his father was just uh, sent to got 25 years in prison in the US court for his involvement in those bombings yeah. in 1998 in, uh, on the US embassies in Tanzania That's right. uh, and uh, there was a couple of I, I'm just recalling a couple of in, in, uh, interesting points about those bombings actually I think there's a documentary I watched on it that Said it was supposedly some kind of a, a truck bomb or a car bomb, uh, but I think uh, the documentary raised, and it was a fairly mainstream documentary, raised serious questions about uh, whether or not a car bomb could have basically destroyed the entire building. This was maybe like a five or six story building, concrete building, big, yeah. big building, and it was completely leveled. And there was yeah, some suggestion right. that there must they have been explosives yeah. inside. And also, there was another aspect of the, that the, the cars that were used, eyewitnesses said that they had diplomatic plates on them. That they were effectively, you know, they weren't just well, some look, some stolen uh, car, you know. It wouldn't. To be honest with you, I've been quite heavily focused on Mwazi, but mm. the kind of um, narrative you're relaying is the, it's the same narrative. That's right. Is it, it when you look at '93, 2001, uh, the Oklahoma bombings? There's, mm. to be honest with you, anyone with a shred of intelligence, it's. I mean, it's impossible, and to. To believe the official story. To clarify that a little bit further, um, Mwazi, we can introduce him into this kind of whole point of discussion here. Mwazi is supposed to have known, um, uh, unbelievably, he's supposed to have been in touch with contacts with known some some of the people involved in the 7 7 attacks, not the original 7 7 attacks, because there were two. One was foiled, that was the 21st of July, and mm. the one that we all know about, which is the 7th of the 7th. So on the, on, well, let's call it the 21st of the 7th attacks, um, not quite so prominent perhaps in people's minds and in the media, but he is unbelievably linked back to those attacks. Now, if you look at those specific attacks, what they were were a bunch of people probably on psychotropics and with backpacks full of effectively chapati flour and hair dye. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't go off, of course, because they could never go off. And they, the prosecution in the case, and I have to thank um, Tom Secker here because he's explored this in quite a lot of um, detail. 
um, the the prosecution dragged out this, you know, a star expert witness. You know, when you have uh, a big case, you always try and get these professors in from X, Y, and Z university. In this case, they dragged out a guy called Hans Michaels, who worked for Imperial College. He's a professor at Imperial College. You I mean people you're listening can go and Google this guy. His name's Hans Michaels. He's a probably one of the world's prominent uh, explosives experts, ballistics, explosives. Uh, I think he's got a, a physics background. But his basically uh, testimony was complete and utter nonsense. The bombs could never have gone off if they test. And apparently what's weirder is they tested these so-called inverted commas bombs. Uh, you know, the, the people involved in 2021-7 tested these backpack bombs and um, the same thing happened you know nothing happened so effectively what you've got is a guy standing on a tube train with a backpack he lets the thing rip the the cap the detonator cap does go off it knocks him off in his feet or, or a few you know sparks go off whatever nothing else happens everyone involved gets 40 years um, and it's What's really odd here, and this is where the kind of story gets real interesting, is Mwazi, um, who is now, just to let your viewers get this to their heads, is, new, is the new jihadi John. It's Mohammed Mwazi. He, at this point in um, 2005, he's only 16 years old. He's, right. he's 16. So he's either A, just left school or B is still at school he phones uh, one of the bombers he's apparently supposed to phone them on the morning and said you know well, I, well we don't know what he said but I presume something along the lines of you know hey what's up uh, still going to pull your uh, hoax bombing or whatever the hell you're going to do but he's 16 years old so the stories that we've we've heard in the media about well you know um He's just popped up fairly recently, or the mail and the Daily Mail in England is sort of suggesting that we've known about him since, you know, maybe five, six. It's nonsense. We've known about that the intelligence services have been on this guy. And this is where a lot of red flags start popping up straight away because we know two things. One, we know that the 21st of the 7th, the, all those people involved in that particular bombing episode all interfaced with known MI5 agents. Then we've got Mwazi, 16 years old, ringing up one of them. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that pretty odd. And I'm still trying to establish whether that story is planted, whether it's I can substantiate that. Um, anything to do with that, because if it if it can be substantiated or if it is has some weight to it, because, you know, I mean, just because it happens to pop up in the in the mainstream media doesn't mean diddly squat, really. It doesn't mean anything. I've got to try and substantiate where that, that information came from and where they got it from. And, you know, in just typing in the word intelligence doesn't really cut it with me. I've got to try and get some more meat in the bone, so to speak. But if I can substantiate that, that is a huge red flag. Forget about the fact they've known about this guy for years. They've known about this dude for years in Wazi. Let's go back to 7-7 because it's very odd. 
how so much of this modern war on terror really goes straight back in the Euro-Asian area, in Europe and, and, you know, our side of the Atlantic, which is really where, the, you know, most of it is coming from. You know, mm. the original 9-11 bombers was Saudis. It, it's, it's, coming, it, they're not Ameri- it's not coming from the North American side of things. It's coming from the Euro-Asian side of things. And it's surprised that I've come to the conclusion that a lot of this modern war on terror isn't actually organized or primarily di- uh, directed or organized by Washington. It's, it's organized and directed by London. And I think this Mwazi thing is, uh, and the 21-7 link, if he did call some people on the day on 21-7, who we know, we know for a fact that uh, 21-7 is at best a hoax and worst case scenario is pure theater. Hmm. Um, so a, there is a, sorry to interrupt you there, there's a slightly deeper level where you've got to then ask yourself, well, how is a 16-year-old involved in any of this? Yeah, what use is he? What use is he? Yeah, at 16. Well, well I mean, look, that's the question. It starts to get really, I guess, quite interesting for our, our, our listeners um, and quite dark because I'm now going to introduce another uh, little area which might blow your mind a little bit, which is all verified, can all be Googled up. It's, you know, not speculation in any sense of the word. It's all fact. The school that he goes to, MYZ goes to, is a little hot spot of kind of radicalism. The 15-year-olds, the 16-year-olds, the 14-year-olds. Now, I've got a pretty good hunch that there's a there's, there's pushing, there's something else. Go, they're not just wandering around West London talking to themselves, saying, oh, you know, this is a, uh, the way that uh, we've been um, oppressed and the way that Muslims have been oppressed is just shocking and, you know, we all need to get on the phone and call uh, MI5-sponsored uh, terrorist cells. Not buying that because a couple of other dudes in his school they go off and do things, but where it gets really fascinating is the woman who is in the head mistress of this school, which I've got to think now because it's a lot of this information is fresh for me. Is I can probably go away and get it later on. No, it's okay. Yeah, Quinton, I think it's called Quinton Kyston. It's a school in W. Uh, in West London, in the West London Maida Vale area. Surprise, surprise. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get an act precise name of the school. But the woman involved, is her name I've got in my brain because I'm actually working it right now, is Joe, Joe Shooter or Joe Shutter. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. I think it's S-H-U-T-T-E-R, Joe Shooter. She won, this woman won, the head mistress, head teacher of the year, this school is one of those new schools that Blair set up, which is kind of a, a foundation school. It's kind of like, you know, um, it's hard to ex- express exactly the nature of these type of schools, but they have a kind of like technical aspect to them. You know, it's like a, they get a little bit of extra push, a little bit of extra money. They're in a city, that sort of thing. The population of the school is like 98, 97% um, immigrants. Uh, and this woman is... Um, obviously with a name like Joe Shooter as a a white woman. She gets busted, um, I think, 
in 2012 slash 2013 for embezzlement. She is embezzling left, right and center, taking as much money as she can possibly get. She's buying this. She's buying that. She's going on holiday. So the woman who gets awarded uh, the headmistress of the year is now barred from teaching for life, meaning that when she goes on television to start talking about Mohammed Mwazi, she's unemployed. She, you know, she, they don't mention the fact, it's all skipped over the fact that she's effectively totally and utterly corrupt. What it gets even weirder, there's, if you go online and you start Googling up Joe Shooter, the first thing you'll see is pictures of her shaking hands with Blair because her and Blair turn out to be incredibly good friends so much so that Mwazi, and this is mind-blowing, gets introduced to Blair. Yeah, I mean, it's mind-blowing that Jihadi Jean, as a 15, 16-year-old, don't forget, he's on the phone to terrorist cells at the same time, or at some point in that, you know, that one or two-year zone, he's on the phone to the second biggest, you know, if this had gone, if they had been successful, 2107, the idea in the media was it was going to be exactly like 7-7. So lots of people get killed, lots of buses get blown up, lots of tube stations get trashed, blah, 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 blah. This is, and the guy who is now Jihadi John, not only is he at a school which is run by a completely corrupt individual, she's also one of Blair's best friends. How that happened, I really don't know. But And she's headmistress of the year, being held up by the media as a, you know, oh, look how good Joe is and how wonderful a job she's doing in this school and la-di-da, la-di-da. And then Rosie gets to meet Blair in person. Now, how odd is that? Pretty odd, yeah. It's pretty odd, but just as a, a side note, um, one of the... A terrorist named in attacks here in France. Yeah. Uh, also met, maybe not as a school child, but maybe a bit older. Yeah. Was invited to the Champs Elysees to to meet. He met Sarkozy, one of the guys in the Charlie Hebdo attack. He could make it up. Yeah. Strange. He could make it up. And and this now I'm thinking, I'm 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 really thinking, uh, because this is kind of going off the deep end a little bit. I'm thinking there's some sort of weird cell going on there. In that particular school, I'm, I'm thinking, no. There's no, because this entire Abdel Bari, Mwazi, and there's a whole raft. I mean, we're talking, I'd say, somewhere between the region of half a dozen to sort of ten quite well, no, not well known, but they're, they're terrorists. Some of them are in jail in Ethiopia. Some of them are popping up in Syria. There's a whole crew that we won't bore our listeners with with the names, but they're all popping up from this one area. They're all popping up from, you know, effectively the Maida Vale area, that, that sort of West London area. And three specifically from this school. Uh, but I do find it slightly odd and mind-blowing that, you know, that he is on the phone one minute to uh, the 21-7 crew. And at the same time, He's meeting, you know, he's meeting Blair. Is it possible that Blair had a bit of hands-on there? I mean, is it is it is it that crazy? Is it is it you know is well, it that odd? I I don't know. I mean, for me, 
this whole area of um, of where these terrorists, so-called terrorists that have been in the news over the past number of years, where they come from and how they get to be, uh, you know, held up as as these. Like as that the, to me, well, that, that's really, kind of, I'm sorry to bring, say that word, but mm. it's not, you know, MK Ultra 1965, and let's you know, bring, uh, but there is some sort of that I can't really. I can't put that information really in any other in any other way of ex- explaining. Yeah. Well, John, just let me just ask you. I mean, there's obviously something. Uh, there's a commonality among all these people. I mean, even going back to going back to the London bombings and uh, this jihadi John guy and the White Widow and even the guy uh, um, Ab- Abdel. What's his name? Uh, Abel- Abel- the guy who killed uh, the soldier. The soldier. Uh, oh, uh, Abdul. Abdul, Abdul, Michael Abdul, or something. Yeah, someone, uh, someone say it. Yeah, that, that guy. But the thing is, all these people have a history of having contact. We know that they, yeah. they all have contact with British intelligence, right? At some time, at some yeah. point in their past. So the question is, what well, I can never get past that in in terms of trying to identify just what the process is. That the from where they are being harassed or they're first contacted by the establishment authorities quite a long time ago, quite a long time before they they raise they come to, to profile in the media as having carried out a terrorist attack or whatever. Uh, what is the process that happens between that first contact and them appearing in the papers? Well, I mean, look, there's absolutely no doubt now. Okay, I mean, we're going to get on a little bit deeper into. MWASI specific contacts because there it's a long story and it drags out his MI5 contacts in commas drag out for his effectively his entire adult life from what I can make out. Hmm. But to answer your question, um, you've pinpointed it exactly. They all in the only time they now how can I phrase this correctly? They all interface. All of these characters that were thrown up into the, you know, our 1984-esque media, they're all, at some point, they, the only contact they have with the, the bad guys, i.e. Al-Qaeda or Al-Shabaab or ISIS, is through the, our, our friends in the intelligence services. Mm. That's the only contact. So it would, to give you an example, I'm... Mohammed Mwazi, you're the you're another fellow radical. I want to become, or I'm a little nutty, or wh- whatever. I'm espousing some opinions. You approach me as a you know a fellow uh, sympathizer, whatever, and you're the intelligence services. There's another person somewhere further removed that is kind of the organization, i.e. ISIS or Al-Qaeda. But we never actually, the, the only way through to that, if you, you know, the only way through you go is through yourself. You're, you're the intelligence services. It's like every, all of these characters all seem to have a conduit through the intelligence services. Every one of them has had contact with the intelligence services now that's not a coincidence we can't be letting them all oh we just you know they slip through we've just been monitoring for 10 years but they slip through he mm. just slipped through you know you know this guy slipped through that guy slipped through 
come on, it's quite obvious what's being what's happening. The slipping through process is what's supposed to happen. Mm. That, that's what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to slip through. Well, we 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 know quite a lot actually from the U.S., but also from the U.K. recently uh, in terms of these in the U.S. the FBI terror plots. That they have actually come on mainstream, and there's been a mainstream exposure about how the FBI in the U.S. will go and I, through it, they'll have a, an informant, some guy who they've arrested for some drug dealing or something, and they'll give him an opportunity to be uh, an informant uh, and not go to jail. So this guy, they'll use him to go and contact some kind of low-level, naive, stupid, um, poor, whatever uh, group of people or one or two people, guys usually, of very often of kind of Middle Eastern or, you know, African extraction. And this FBI informant will coach them in 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 basically joining up to, say, Al-Qaeda. You know, they, they suggest to them that they might want to, you know, uh, join Al-Qaeda and then they might want to think about blowing yeah. something up and yeah. here's $50,000 and here's some boots yeah. and here's a bomb and go and push the button and boom, we caught you, it's a fake bomb, you try to blow it up, you're going to jail for life. I mean, it's well known that's the way it happens in the U.S. And I think there's been recent exposure about the same thing being done by MI5. But that's one thing in the sense of that's that's got a a start and an end. And I know they're just going to use this to bolster the basically, you know, the threat of terrorism. But these guys, it's it's a it's a closed uh, situation. You know, they know they're going to expose them and they know know they're going to take them to jail. And um, uh, and that's it. But 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 it's, there's something maybe different with these guys like Mwazi and Jihadi John, etc., who who go on to actually carry out terror attacks or then, you know, or act like Jihadi John as a spokesperson for ISIS. We don't know that Mwazi's done anything, and we don't know that Barry's done anything. So we right. shouldn't, you know, <laughs> look, right. it's, it, it, I know exactly your point you're, you, you, you're, you're making there, and... Um, I, I, I totally agree with you. There's no doubt that, that that's the process that's that's been happening. You can't have a war without an enemy, and we're going to have to have an enemy. And mm. it's you know this is the process that's clearly happening. I think your question is is how are how are some of these somewhat intelligent people falling for it, or how are they getting them at such a young age? Um, yeah, sort sort of, but maybe not. It's it's like how do they handle them? Uh, in the sense of, um, you know, how do they get them to? Um, th- there's more manipulation involved, and it's more covert, and it's more ongoing. I mean, getting someone to, to actually, you know, at least appear to carry out a, a terror attack and stuff. Maybe it's not that much different, but there just seems to be something different in the sense of they're not put, they're not arresting these guys and putting them in jail. I mean, they haven't just set up uh, Mwazi or uh, Bari. Uh, they haven't just set them up. Uh, taking them to court and putting them in jail as terrorists. They're being no, used. Why would they? That would be self-defeating. Right. So they're a slightly different category, you know. Well, look, another example is, um, you know, someone like Jihadi, Jihadi Jane, which is going back quite a few years now. She is actually an American. Um, she's just a drug-addled kind of idiot, you know. Um, and the process that you've described earlier on where, you know, it's sort of like, Look, you know, uh, you can either do X, Y, and Z for us, or you can spend ten or fifteen years in a kind of, you know, a slammer in Louisiana. Which mm-hmm. one do you pick? You know, there's that simple process going on. I think, um, 
then you've got a family type process which is much darker i think and much um i'm leaning more towards this now um that it's very very kind of hard to put into words but let's look let's just look at emwazi and the and the, and the facts behind M emwazi and maybe together we can try and um come to some form of i guess speculative conclusions he's 16 okay when the mainstream media i.e our intelligence services because they're the same thing obviously they are the same thing no matter what people say the mainstream media slash the intelligence services say he's contacting a terrorist cell involved in 2107 the 2107 guys okay two of them have no fixed address so you work it out they're losers Okay, the I mean, not saying that everyone who's homeless is a loser by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not, you know, they're not cashed up in the house. You know, these are pretty desperate people. They're probably some of them are illegal immigrants. They're probably off their minds on, on some drugs. One of them was actually involved in drug importation. We know that Lindsay was involved in, in drug importation as a very young individual, as a 16, 17, 18 year old. The guy's got an importation charge mm. this is, you know lindsay on the original 77 mm, so there's a pattern there where you're getting very as you pointed out very vulnerable people at a very young age mm. and putting them through the conduit like that and what he doesn't quite fit into that because he goes to you know the guy goes to westminster university mm. he does you know pretty well in his i think he gets a Two one, he does his computing science degree, all the rest of it. And one area I think of what um, one way that possibly intelligence services have been targeting this particular area of London is definitely through gang culture. Mm. Um, and I've touched upon this in the Abdel Barry thing, and more specifically in um, the Samantha Luthwaite video. There has been, without any shadow of a doubt, an organized effort to recruit and to condition. And the Lee Ripley thing has got a big background of gang culture. Mm. They had, you know, they've got specific people there trying to get into gang culture. I don't know how they're doing this. I would have thought through possibly through social services somehow. Um, or through the probably more likely the the, the police, you know. Mm. Um, but getting people who like to put on a baseball cap and want because the thing about Mwazi is he's supposed to have gone out as a 16, 17, 18 year old and um, beating the crap out of people uh, in Belgravia in central London, which is quite a posh area, you know, and usual sort of stuff. I'll have your phone, la di da, la di di. And I think that is a possible conduit a way in, you know, um, mm -hmm. a window there. Um, so, you know, it's probably a panoply of, of, of ways in. You've got sort of um, effectively the very vulnerable people, drugs, homelessness, illegal immigrants, gang members. Mm. Um, but the, the, the percentage who are actually full on a radical uh, Muslims who really would go out and pick up AKs and, and start uh, popping people in a foreign land are, in my opinion, very small. Someone like Samantha Luthwaite, I think, is a, uh, 
what I would call the old school methodology, where you've got maybe family network, military ties, and mm-hmm. it's just a question of Samantha, you're a smart lady, here's 50K, get on with it. You know, the story that the original point that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think what we're looking at possibly is kind of like, if you look at, you know, your right hand, you're, you're looking at five, four or five different kind of highly effective ways that they've created over the last, say, what, probably since um, possibly going back to Northern Ireland, you know, I mean, it's yeah. hard to say exactly how long this has been going on for, but at least 25, 30 years. And by now, I would imagine they have it perfected. Yeah, John, uh, John, can I just, we have a call on the line, I just want to take it before we go on too long. Uh, hi, Greg from Tennessee. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm uh, good. Do you have a comment, question? No, your show topic asks, uh, who is Jihadi John? And, and this is my comment, it's a propaganda machine. I mean, are you shitting me? Jihadi John? It rhymes too much. It, it's like the yeah. Hollywood movie John Q. Wake the hell up, people. Mm. G.I. Jane, Hollywood BS. I can't even believe you, you people are even talking about this and attempting to be intellectual about it. Wake the hell up. Yeah, yeah it's such, well, that's a simple answer then? No, it's not a simple answer. What I'm telling you is, is if, if, you even, if we as people even accept the word Jihadi John as even – Something in the realm of having the the validity of a conversation, we're idiots. JJ Jihadi John, come on, people. Are we are we <laughs> yeah. that stupid? Are we that stupid? Please. I yeah, well we, admittedly we're we're we're, we're, expand, we're expanding it out a little bit, you know. Now, we're, we're, yeah, I'm not yeah. attacking you on the show. I'm not attacking your guest. What I'm saying is Jihadi John, it rhymes too much, damn it. Please. <laughs> All right. Here, please. Uh, uh, John, you ever got an answer? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear what you said. So what's the guy's name in Tennessee? Greg. 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 Uh, love Tennessee, by the way. Um, Greg, listen, the thing you've got to understand, Greg, is, is the problem we've got here is, is uh, there's a lot of people in – is he gone? No, go ahead. All right. I just muted him. A lot of people who do read the newspapers, who do watch television, and are plugged in. And unless we try and effectively show them A, B, C, D, um, and show them some form of links, they are probably going to hang up the phone and call us conspiracy weirdos. Mm. And that's the end of it. Unless we can come up with some sort of real factual information and, and real analysis on this and actually show people we're not going to wake them up. And yeah, you're right. It is kind of ridiculous that, you know, they've got the Beatles, Jihadi John, Jihadi George, Jihadi Jane, and it's, it makes a great copy. And I'm sure it sells a, a lot of copies of the New York Post and the mm-hmm. London Daily Mail and all the rest of that stuff. There's still the vast percentage of this, unfortunately, planet um, haven't woken up and show no signs of waking up so unless we as individuals actually try and engage as you would say those people slash uh, sheeple then it's we're not going to really change that much and it's very easy then 
for them to come back to us and say, hey, listen, look, I, sh I told you, you haven't got anything. You've got no information. You've got no facts. You haven't done any research. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. In fact, you're idiots. And they'll go back to listening to the nine o'clock news narrative. And yeah, that's, let me, I don't want that. Yeah, let me just go back to uh, Greg here. Uh, Greg, um, you, heard, you heard what John just said. I mean, Greg, I'm sure there's people in your community or even in your family or friends that, that are buying the Jihadi John thing, right? No, I'll be honest with you. Um, the word Jihadi John just makes me sick to my stomach. It, it, it's propaganda, and, and right. I, I know that what you're saying, you guys understand that. And I love yeah, what the uh, gentleman just said. We just we do, we use discernment, but the thing is, and uh, and this is a complete aside. I hear a really awesome uh, Irish accent, by the way, from the gentleman who was just speaking. That has nothing to do with nothing, but I just think it's amazing. But anyway. Um, the bottom line is this. Here's the thing. We were fed this word Osama bin Laden, and uh, I'm not going to go there, and he suddenly just was killed. And then he was given this like, like this water burial death, which is totally contrary to his supposed religion. All I'm saying hmm. is, is we need to wake up. This is all I'm saying. And I've called in a couple of weeks ago, and I sort of bashed hmm. on you guys, but then I sort of throttled back, and you guys were like, hey, look, it's cool. Call in, whatever. Hmm. These these words, jihadi, John, it, it's pure bullshit. It's propaganda. And we need to understand mm. what that means. And I'm not degrading what you're saying, but when when I listen for like thirty minutes and I don't I don't hear any real something that makes me go, Why do I believe what I believe? Why is it that I'm thinking the way I'm thinking? It just it it sort of pushes me, not saying you push me. I push me to do what I do and say what I say. It frustrates me to hear the word jihadi, John. It's complete mm -hmm. propaganda. And, and all I'm yeah. telling you is, is if you're going to come on this radio show and, and use this platform, you have, a, you have a responsibility to let people know that the word jihadi, John, is complete bullshit. And you need to tell people <laughs> yeah. that and explain to them. Yeah, we're... Just bullshit. Well, we're getting. Well, I mean, we have got there, and I think we're saying that as we're talking around it. We're definitely saying that that this is all bullshit. We're but we're building a case here. You know, we'd like to just be able to say, you know, everybody, jihadi John, complete and utter bullshit, and have it done and dusted over. Right, next one, Osama bin Laden, complete and utter bullshit. Uh, yeah. You know, war and terror, horseshit, and that's it. Yeah. Just one word answers, and everybody would accept it, but. Unfortunately, that's not the way. And as John, our guest, was just saying, you got to try and build a case um, th that makes sense. And we want to know as well. Okay, we know Jihadi John is bullshit, but we want to get into the details to figure out how these people put this bullshit together and make it so convincing for so many people. And this includes, like, Jihadi John is obviously intricately linked with uh, these videos, these beheading videos. He's the guy standing in the beheading videos. And this has scared the crap out of people. You know what I mean? This has scared the crap out of people uh, all around the world because of the videos that this guy has done. And it's, he's called Jahadi John. He cuts the head of people, you know? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. And this will cut to the absolute chase. Do you believe that Jahadi John is actually a person? Well, he, he, there's, a, there's a guy standing in the video uh, talking and waving a knife, so that guy's real, I presume. All right, you can I mean, answer my being. question. Do you believe that Jihadi John is an actual human being? Jihadi John, as he's being portrayed, no. Portrayed, no. 
Now, you didn't answer my no. question. Do you believe that Jihadi John is an actual individual? I don't believe there's anybody called Jihadi John, no. No. It's, it's okay, Peter. So, uh, uh, John Ryman, our guest, said first, at, when he opened, we opened this show, he explained that it's all theater, and we're working with that as a basis. So that right there cuts to your point that it's propaganda and it's horseshit. Thank you. So what I'm saying is the word Jihadi John is propaganda. It's not a human being, right? No. Good. And, and the thing that bothers me is that you hesitated when you answered the question. It was like it bothered but, you. <laughs> I don't. No, I mean, I don't. I, know you. I don't know you. It, it, it depends what you mean, Greg. It depends what you mean, Greg. You know, is Jihadi John a person? There's a guy called Jihadi John who appears in a video. That guy in the video is obviously a real person. But is he called Jihadi John by his friends and family? No, probably not. Nobody's called Jihadi John. As you said, it's a catchy phrase to scare people, right? It's like the boogeyman, you know? But there's clearly people involved in this. I'm not talking about the video that you saw. What I'm asking you is, is you as a human being, an individual, talking to people globally on radio, do you believe that there is a person that exists called Jihadi John? No. Thank you. It, it took you about two minutes to say that. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, Craig, we're going to let you go. It's been fun talking Thanks to you. For your bye bye. We're going to get back to your interview. I'm a, I'm a son of a bitch, but you know what? I want you to think. And I want to push you to the point where you say, what the hell am I talking about and why am I talking about it? Thank you so much for opening the mic. I absolutely respect the fact that you opened the mic. Thank you so much. Uh, no problem. Thanks. Uh, John, are you there? I'm certainly – I'm here. <laughs> well, there you go. We just got a lesson in not believing in uh, – well, obviously, I think Greg there was missing the point, really, uh, of what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Well, he's, Greg's from Tennessee, and they, they don't – you know, they don't really take much bullshit in Tennessee. Right. Um, yeah. Um, to, I mean, if Greg, if you're still listening, um, what I would say is I think the question you're really asking is Jihadi John uh, CGI kind of mock-up that's made up of three or four people in a green room somewhere in Turkey – around it and with a different person uh, well i personally believe that yeah there is one individual actor or in those specific videos but we you shouldn't confuse the person in the videos with the jihadi john character to give you an example uh, i put on you know a, a big black suit and i hold a knife and we cut off the bit where i cut your head off and um, next week I do another one, and next week I do another one, and another one. Um, so, yeah, I do believe there is one individual portrayed in those videos. Mm. Do I think that Jihadi John is uh, a real um, character on the Syrian, you know, battlefields with ISIS and leading, you know, a, a group of 10 or 20 hardcore international fighters? The answer is no. Yeah. I think maybe a good analogy would be to, to ask someone, uh, you know, do you believe that James Bond exists? Well, yeah. I mean, he does exist in one sense, yeah. Well, you've seen him on the TV screen, but yes. there's a character behind him. Exactly. I mean, there's whatever his name is, Daniel Craig. He's the guy who plays James Bond. 
So yeah. do you believe that Jihadi John exists? No, it's a character name, it's a screen name, yeah. and there's a guy behind it who has his own name who plays Jihadi John. So it's a lot like theater, like mm. we've been saying. It's, yeah. it's a movie, yeah. and it's believe, a, and Do you believe in the fictional reality? Yes. Do you, right. do you believe in the reality? No. Right, and it's a, good, it's a good analogy because this guy is obviously making videos to scare people. You know, so he is a, he is a character yeah. on the screen, and and maybe, the main, maybe we should talk. Maybe we should talk about the actual videos themselves, and you know, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, you know in the intelligence services influence quite quickly on um, MYZ, Um because if we are trying to build a case, then we should build it pretty rapidly. I think, or we might get someone else from Tennessee calling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, do but just just to clarify before you're doing it, that this Mwazi and prior to that the Barry guy, yeah. these are listeners. These are two real people out in the world right. who have been attached to the character, the persona Jihadi called Jihadi John, and right. they very probably are not in any way connected. Right. So this guy Muhammad Mwazi, who has in the past few months has been more or less definitively say, called the guy behind Jihadi John. We don't know that's the case. He's being maybe he may be being defamed, and we don't even know where he is. But uh, you know they need to they try to find. Uh, I mean they didn't find him, was he? Uh, supposedly Jihadi John, the guy in the videos, and I'm sorry for saying Jihadi John there, Greg, but you know we have to describe the guy in the videos who's cutting off people, uh, hostages' heads. Um, uh, this this guy is you know the world's most wanted man supposedly, right? Uh, and everybody's out to get him, and, and the British government is like, we have to get this guy, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and now they've actually identified a British national who they say is this guy, and his name is Mohammed Mwazi. But where he is, we don't know. He may be in Syria, that's what they say. So, Go ahead, John. Well, okay, look. Let's give a little bit of... Uh, Mohammed Mwazi, the real person, is a real person. Let's just go back to who Mohammed and what he actually is, and how he his linked in to the intelligence services and the whole umbrella that is this theater. Um, okay, starts off, the, the, I'll say it, shit hits the fan for him in 2009, okay? He's finished university, and as supposedly as a present um, from his father, which is a bit of an odd present, he gets given a, you know, a flight and enough cash to go on safari in Africa. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little weird anyway. Mm. I never, you know, no one ever gave me a safari ticket. I wish they did. Um, but anyway, so he and two other buddies come with him. Now, the two buddies that come with him, one is a German called Marcel Schrodel, and the other guy is called Ali Adoras. They get on a plane. Now, this is where our next red flag comes up. Now, don't forget, he's already at this point, according to the mainstream media slash the intelligence services, he is already totally radicalized, totally down with the, you know, down with the plot. You know, he's, he's totally been radicalized already. He gets on a KLM flight. When he arrives in Tanz- Tanzania, which is in East Africa for our listeners all completely wasted they've been drinking for like the entire flight 10 to 12 hours now already we're already beginning to sound like someone else we know yeah that's right muhammad atta who likes to drink and certain other substances as well 
So they are completely wasted. We know they're all completely wasted because there's loads of witnesses, there's loads of people in the, you know, the, 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 the airport saying they were shouting, abusing every, you know, foul language, the whole lot, barely stand up. And lo and behold, they get denied entry. They get denied entry by the Tanzanian authorities, not because someone from London picks up the phone and says, hey, by the way, we've got three terrorists that we've been watching for, mm, I guess, four or five years, and maybe you shouldn't let them in. Because if you let them in, they might go see Samantha Luthwaite, who's just down the corner, yeah? And that's apparently what he was supposed to have been doing. He was supposed to, according to the mainstream media, going to Tanzania, the safari thing is a, a cover story because he wants to link up with al-Shabaab. Al-Shabaab are the bad guys in East Africa with Samantha Luthwaite, the white widow, as the poster girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, So he's wasted the, you know, the people in the airport, uh, the authorities. And I've you know, got documents in the video where you can see this. Um, deny him entry. They deny him entry not because he's a wanted terrorist, but because he's absolutely plastered. Then when he, he gets flown back, he doesn't get flown back, though, to the UK. No, he gets thrown back to the Netherlands, which is in Europe, um, which is a little bit odd in itself, like just deport them back to where they came from. That's the standard procedure. When you get deported, you go back to the last place you came from. In this case, it would have been London. He flies from London to Tanzania, send him back to London. No, he gets sent to the Netherlands. And this is where it gets a little freaky, because according to Mohammed Mwazi, it's at this point where he gets lent on very, very heavily by the intelligence services and the police and a bunch of other people to effectively work for MI5. And he gets asked a lot of questions like, what do you think of 7-7? What do you think of 9-11? What do you think of the Jews? Blah, 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 blah. And his response is, the Jews, that's their trip. They can have their religion. I'm not, you know, it's nothing to do with me. It's their private business. 9-11, he says, that was a terrible thing. Those people shouldn't have died. They were innocents. 7-7, he says the same thing. The terrible thing shouldn't have happened. So effectively, he says, uh, to the intelligence services, look, it's I'm not interested. I, I'm just, you know, I just want to go on the safari with my two buddies. Um, it's a little weird because, according to the mainstream media and according to our, you know, the newspapers, which is where a lot of this information is coming from, the two buddies are known terrorists or radicals. Okay, uh, and one of them is now actually serving time in Ethiopia where he was tortured. That doesn't mean he is a terrorist. It just means he's in Ethiopia, got tortured. He's in doing a four-year sentence. And I won't go into the buddies because, hey, we'll be here all night. Effectively, though, when he gets to Tanzania, that's where he's supposed to have been, you know, tried to have been turned. And his life, if we can use some more naughty words, turns to shit at this point. This is where he gets followed, harassed. Uh, they... He, the intelligence services go to a, a future wife or, you know, his fiance and say to his fiance, uh, look, the guy's a nasty piece of work. You know, I don't think you should hang out with this guy. She breaks off the marriage. This doesn't happen once. This happens twice. So he loses two wives. He loses two prospective wives because the intelligence services are on the phone to the families. When he gets back to London, he's getting pissed off. 
he goes to Q8. And he, when he's in London, he gets some qualifications. He goes to Q8. Um, he hangs out there. When he's in Q8... He's on. originally from Q8, right? Exactly. He's born in Q8. His father's a policeman. Uh, he's a, an immigrant from Q8. Um, the whole family are. And they go to London because of the Iraqi war. Um, when shit's hitting the fan in Iraq, the exact in the Gulf War One, they bail out and they bail out to London. Okay, so going back to the narrative, he goes to Kuwait. In Kuwait, he does IT work because don't forget he's got pretty good qualifications. He's a smart dude. Um, when he's in Kuwait, same thing. You know, he he gets a bit homesick. He goes he goes back to London. So it's a little bit complicated, but let's just say. He's traveling from Kuwait to London. When he's back in London, same thing happens, except this time it's even more hardcore. He's meeting agents, field agents, MI5 field agents are approaching him, more or less in the street. And you're thinking, well, how does that work? Well, this is how it works. I want to sell my laptop. I sell my laptop to you, except you are an MI5 agent. And then you, in the process of the transaction, introduce yourself and start pressurizing me. So he's getting really intense, according to him, really intense pressure, about as hardcore pressure as you can possibly get. Right. It's a kind of scenario where shot. It's a kind of scenario where he's feeling like he's under this is over a period of years where he's feeling he's being harassed and pressured yeah. and followed and spied on and all this kind of stuff. He threatens to take an overdose. Right. Um and really he changes his name because he thinks, oh, well, if I change my name, surely I'll be able to, you know, skip town, go to Kuwait, hang out, do a lardy dog, possibly even get married. <laughs> and um, that doesn't work either. The Kuwaiti authorities say, no, 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 you're not coming in. This time, the Kuwaiti authorities say you're not coming in because London says you're not coming in because you are, in fact, a terrorist. So now, I guess by now, he's semi-suicidal. Um uh, Pretty probably nuts, I would have thought, incredibly paranoid. And at this point is where he disappears. In 2013, he disappears. And you're thinking, well, hang on. He's being followed, watched so heavily that he's got field agents coming up to him, more or less on the street. He's been that heavily watched, but he's allowed to disappear. Where does he disappear to? How did he disappear? Well, then we've got another red flag. In that whole process there, how did he manage to skip town so easily? He can't get on a plane, don't forget. Can't get on a plane because when you're on the no-fly you know, list, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Can't get on a plane. And there's only one way out of the United Kingdom, effectively. If, you, if you're you know, that heavily watched, you've got to sort of smuggle yourself out. So the story the mainstream media put forward is he jumps on the back of a truck and he manages to do the whole kind of illegal immigrant thing in reverse so you know instead of actually trying to get into the united kingdom through the back of a truck he's going out of the united kingdom on the back of a truck and he disappears in 2013 and that's the last time you know family and all the rest of see him the family sort of get up and say well we thought he was in turkey doing humanitarian work and two years later the guy's jihadi john so that's a very uh, condensed story of what happens. Now, I've got to say one more thing very quickly. Like, okay, that's fine, but maybe he just made up all this BS about him being followed. And, you know, maybe it's all just a cover story. Maybe, look, he is a genuine radical, 
and, and maybe he just made this all up. Well, the problem with all of this is, is he, he must have made this, he made this up five years ago. It's in sort of 2009, 2010, that he starts reporting his problems. Now, this is where it gets freaky, because he writes to the Independent Police Complaints Commission, which in the United Kingdom is the main authority where you're supposed to go to say, hey, I got the crap beaten out of me by some intelligence officer in an airport in a closed room uh, where no one did anything. And, you know, I, I got seriously beaten. Those are the kind of dudes you're supposed to go and speak to. So there's all the records. This is all, you know, you can go get these records. Mm. That, yeah, he did say this. Where it gets even freakier is he starts writing to the newspapers. Yeah, that's right. He's writing to the newspapers four or five years ago saying, hey, look, this is what's going on. None of it got printed, of course. But now that he's Jihadi John, you see, the guy he wrote to is like, oh, yeah, he wrote to me. No big deal. No problem. Mm. So that's, for me, another big flag. And the organization where you can, let me think, how the best way to say it, CAGE, C-A-G-E, is an organization run by an ex-Guantanamo inmate who was severely tortured and beaten. Mozan Beg. Uh, yeah, Beg, basically, Mozan Beg. Uh, his name's Mozan Beg. Um, he got severely tortured and beaten, fact. He wasn't accused of any crimes, fact. Uh, he tried to release Alan Henning, who was one of the people Jihadi John is supposed to have cut the head off. Well, he did cut the head off, if you believe the stories and you believe about there is a real Jihadi John, blah, blah, blah. This guy Beg, Moaz and Beg, who Jihadi John writes to and is in contact with, he puts the record button down on the phone call, and now we have the audio records of Mwazi saying, I've been harassed for the last five, six years, pressurized to the point of suicide by the intelligence services. So uh, which side are you going to believe? Are you going to believe that somehow this guy made this all up over the course of four or five years, knowing that in 2015 that he was going to skip town and become Jihadi John? Bullshit. No, he was getting harassed. No yeah. doubt about it. Well, just in terms of who you believe, I would point uh, kind of tangentially to um, the kind of nature of the people that we're talking about here in the British establishment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been all over the, all over the papers for the past uh, few years that uh, – the paedophile scandal, the high-level paedophile scandal uh -oh. among, among the rich and famous and the politicians in the UK. And there's been a lot of evidence that points to the fact that, you know, British intelligence have been directly involved in covering this up. So you're talking about the abuse and in some cases the murder, as far as we know, uh, of children by high-level political paedophiles. And it's being covered up by agencies like MI5. That's well, their, I, that's their yeah. credentials. Yeah. So when you ask yourself, who do I believe here? Just understand who you're dealing with, you know? Well, now you've actually stumbled unwittingly into real, the real story behind some of this because you will notice that the Jihadi John story always pops up on the front page just at the same time with someone like Leon Britton or Cyril Smith or very, very high-level politicians are about to get busted for murdering and buggering little children. It's always the same time, always, 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 mm -hmm. okay? And there's some sort of, as you, there's some correlation that is, uh, all, leads, all roads kind of seem to me 
to lead back to some very, very dark um, covering. So it, it, it's like, we'll put this theater up, we'll put this show on when we really, really have to have a show. And they really need a show right now because they're in real trouble with some of this stuff. And it's going to be only, a, I think, in my personal opinion, not long before a member of the royal family gets implicated in this. And when that happens, I don't know what's going to um, happen. Andrew? Well, Andrew wasn't involved directly. In, yeah. Specifically, Andrew, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things you mentioned, Cage, you know, in this group, Cage, which is, you know, it's Cage Prisoners, their website, and they it's run by uh, or started by this guy, um, Mossam Beg, who, who was a Guantan- Guantanamo inmate, uh, yeah. completely innocent, tortured, held in Guantanamo, like most other people in Guantanamo, completely innocent and tortured for years. And he comes back and he starts this organization to defend the rights of, uh, in part, to lobby for the, the rights of people in Guantanamo. But they're also taking on uh, people from the UK uh, who are accused of being terrorists and are being entrapped in the same way that people were entrapped and, and ended up in Guantanamo. Uh, and, and one of the, I mean, I've, I've watched some mainstream media uh, interviews of, of representatives from Cage. And when they make this case, which is kind of the case that we've been making here, is that if this guy, uh, Mwazi, Muhammad Mwazi, is the guy that they're calling Jihadi John, uh, then they say, okay, so he was harassed by the intelligence services. Uh, they tried to get him to be an informant, etc., and they were kind of on his case pretty hard. But how do you then kind of transfer that to him becoming this cutthroat, bloodthirsty head chopper on videos, you know, and particularly in the case when you have people who say, people who knew, who knew uh, Mwazi said that he was a really nice guy. How did he, he's a really nice guy, he gets harassed by the intelligence agencies and that turns him into a killer? Well, his, I mean, yeah, I see your point and it, it doesn't make logical sense, but for me, the answer is this, he's dead. And was he dead? Yeah. They, yeah. they probably killed him about a year ago, 18 months ago, six months ago. It doesn't matter. He's dead. Right. And whoever you've got there, you, you see what I mean? They had a, they had a guy. The guy wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't uh, partial. The disappearing act, you know, that, whoa, he, yeah, he disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he disappears, but yeah, he's still man, technically he's alive because no one knows that he's dead, so he can be transposed that, onto Jihadi John. The simplest answer it's often the correct answer. The simplest answer is he's dead. Well, that's, that's, that's Osama bin Laden, right? That they did the same thing with exactly. him. Exactly. I mean, it's the same with the, the same with the seven seven bombers. They never right. got on the train. Right. Because they're dead. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they couldn't have got on that train. There's no way that they got on the train. There's no way that the bombs that, 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 that they were supposed to put on that train could have done the damage. It's plastic explosives. It's right. sent. It's military okay. grade. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it doesn't. It, the only, and then you've got to produce a body later to say, well, yeah, they were on the train. So that means they just topped them. Right. I think that generally is the way that these kind of intelligence operations are run. And this is the kind of when you, you've talked about things being dark. We're in a very dark area here. We're probing into a very dark area of of the way the kind of powers that be in this world operate and, and their nature is very dark and that is generally my understanding anyway is the way that these kind of false flag or phony uh, terrorist uh, operations are run there's patsies selected in advance they're groomed they're they're sheep dipped they're put in certain places there's a narrative and a history set up for them they're moved around 
and then they're used, they're expanded, i.e. they're killed, and real operatives, actual military, you know, military trained people carry out the, the attacks. Uh, not in every case, but in several cases, I think this is the way it happens. And, and the, the Patsies that have been killed are held up for the media to take the fall. And exactly. uh, it's, it, it, the simplest answer is usually the correct one. I mean, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. If you think about where the videos have actually come from, from, you know, uh, the site intelligence group, which right. is a very, very dark and nefarious organization. They're the people who introduced the later Bin Laden videos um, much later. And they're the people who've introduced um, Jihadi John, the old Jihadi John, i.e. Abdul Barry, who's now Jihadi George. I hope we're not confusing people. And the new Jihadi John, Mwazi, uh, it's it's effectively a Mossad operation. It's it's run by the daughter of the, the person who runs Site, which is an international private intelligence gathering group who has funding from you know the usual sources, CIA, Pentagon, Washington. Um, her her father was executed by Saddam Hussein for spying for Mossad. So we can in we can. Assume probably assume that she's not exactly, you know, pro-Islamic uh, uh, militancy. She's working for Mossad, in my opinion, without any shadow of a doubt. And these videos are pretty hand-fisted, you know. They're, what happens? Well, we don't get to see the actual execution. We get to see the cheap shots with the knife and those struggling and some people with some very dodgy backgrounds, um, Foley, CIA probably, uh, you know... It, uh, John Can't Lie, uh, whoever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Can't Lie is, you know, you've got Pinocchio torturing him. It's just all very in yeah. jokes. Right. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is the latest, the most recent um, uh, British hostage held by ISIS. And he's been on some videos. He hasn't been killed yet, but he's been on videos over the past six or seven months. Uh, his name's John. He calls himself Cantley, but it's spelled Can't Lie. John Can't Lie, that's his name. He was uh, an aid worker or something, and he's caught by ISIS, and he appears in these videos, and he's actually scripted, someone scripted for him, very well scripted video kind of presentations where he makes a a kind of a case, a political case for ISIS, but he's speaking in the first person. He's done about four of these videos. You can watch them on the web where he makes this political case, like ISIS's political case, and it's not so much a, it's not a, it's not a jihadi rant at all. It's very, very well kind of thought out and well presented and it uh, it goes into the strategy and the, the the kind of propaganda they want to present. And to be honest, it's it's scarily similar to the kind of things that some kind of uh, anti-British, anti-American, anti-imperial kind of websites uh, or people or writers would 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 say. It's, it's similar to the things they would say. And um, I think that's and, what and they the, want to associate right. They want extremism with. They, right. want, they want to associate with people with who rational analyze. discourse who, yeah. who disagree with the geopolitics of the situation. But this guy. <coughs> John uh, John Cantlay, this is what uh, John's just talking about. He said he apparently was um, he's in, in captivity in ISIS captivity in, in in Syria in a prison, and he was with some of the other hostages that were beheaded. But he said that one of the people that interrogate him or one of his jailers is a guy called Pinocchio, because supposedly they named him that because he he tells lies all the time. You know his nose grows. He's like Pinocchio. He, he lies. And, and so you have a guy called John Can't Lie being interrogated by Pinocchio. 
who tells lies all the time, and That's John absurd. can't lie. It's just, it's just it's one of those bizarre, weird things that you just kind of go, wow, whatever, anyway, and move on, you know. But um, yeah, I, I think they whoever does this has fun. I mean, they're. I think you alluded to that in your video, John, that it must be an in joke or something. It is some kind of twisted in joke. Crazy. And the really the, 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 the really weird thing is, is there's only a. a it's only probably us and the people who made the video who are going to laugh. The rest of it, you right. know what I mean? That's, that's, that is the joke. You know what I mean? It's like the yeah. joke is, is that it's only about 2%, 1% of the, of the people who are actually observing this stuff that get the joke. And that is the joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, but site intelligence, I mean, the way in which they find these videos is very bizarre and you, you have a clip of Rita Katz being interviewed on American mainstream news being asked how exactly do you come across these videos and she gave some very very dubious answers yeah it's a non-answer, really. non-answer. I mean, her answer she gets asked how she finds because don't forget you, you you wouldn't want to be on mainstream media if, if you were cats you know it's not really a great idea um, apparently she had a fourth nose on in that uh, video. But, really? Uh, yeah, apparently. Um, which is, again, weird. Remember Pinocchio? The nose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you think I'm making that up? I'm not. Go, go Google it. She had a false nose on. Because uh, she doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be identified fully, which is just so ridiculously insane. It's like, the, you know, Samantha Luthwaite in your crane. You can't make the stuff up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she, look, we've got this huge 1984 sort of surveillance fascist monster you know on both sides of the atlantic but we have to use a private organization pay them a two and a half thousand dollar subscription so we can access that information what the hell are you know the pentagon have got you know spy satellites that can observe you know a postage stamp on the sidewalk why do we you know why why are we going to this woman i think it's you know to divert just to sort of move it further off stage, you know, sort of, you know, rather than being right in the front of the stage, it's just a little bit of move it further across. So people can't quite, you know, think, oh, well, you know, it's, they've just somehow done their homework and it's not, you know, some bullshit story that has been cooked up by some insane, you know, uh, colonel or something in the, in, 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 in the Pentagon. Pentagon. Yeah. I mean, it's, she just says, look, we looked and we found it. So it's a non-answer. You know, it's like, what? I mean, you Googled it. I mean, what is, yeah. what, how can I do that? And, you know, it's like, and, but the, the real kind of, I'm not the, look, I mean, I, I'm not, I always try and get to the story behind the story. And that to me is an obvious thing. Look, it's somewhere in Turkey. They've got an actor. These people are CIA, UK uh, intelligence services. Um, and that's all bullshit. Okay, fine. That, probably 90% of our listeners can deal with. But there's like always, always, always another sort of level back that's the real meat. And one thing I think we should touch upon is how Jihadi John is being identified or how has he been identified and why is it important that he's identified? Well, what's the technology that's identifying him? One of the stories in the paper with, oh, yeah, well, we've got, you know, um, biometric analysis and we can analyze the face and we can um, substantiate who he is 
from that and we've got CIA mock-ups of what he might look like and what he might not look like. And what that really is doing is the real... Mm. We're back. Yeah, sorry, we lost there for a minute, John. Yeah, sorry. Um, Go ahead. No, I I think you've got to look at some of the biometric and kind of um, facial recognition, the way that it's being slowly sort of pushed out to the public, like this might be a great thing. It might be a cool thing to have everyone be identified in, you know, a millisecond via facial recognition and by voice recognition and by, by biometrics. And that, to me, is there's something there in the background there that's being pushed forward a little bit harder because, I mean, the, the classic writer in all of this is, of course, Orwell. And, 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 you know, 1984 is really saying that, you know, there's only one war. All the rest of theatre, the real war is directed against you. The real war is the state versus you. And everything else is all bullshit in theatre. And the real war is getting all of us, you know, identified, tracked, continually, you know, continual surveillance via biometrics, satellites, biometrics, voice recognition. That's something that's not happening yesterday. It's something that's happening right now. You know, this is this is the next step. You know, it's what's going to happen. You, you know, you go into McDonald's and rather than even flashing your credit card, you walk through the door and they already know who you are. They already know what your credit is in your account. You walk up to a counter, there's nobody there because it's all robotic. You know, this is the kind of future where we're work that they want and um, where nobody works mm-hmm. and everything is tracked. And like I, I was only doing some research last night about, you know, the new Samsung smart TVs, the new Samsung smart TVs record everything in your room, whether the TV's on, off or whatever. It's a continual process of invasion. And that's really been the story behind the war of terror. There's been no other story. It's been a story of just complete obliteration of whatever rights that you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, maybe just something to, to touch on before we kind of, I think we might uh, wrap it up soon. But <clears throat> just in terms of the whole point. Oh, he's gone again. I think we lost again. Well, what I was going to say was, um, sorry, you're back again. I was going to say this good question that um, what the whole point of this theater, uh, assuming it is theater and that none of it's really real or most of it is manufactured for, for people. I mean, some people would say that it's uh, it's manufactured for Western audiences, let's say, to get them to uh, at least be, um, you know, to, to, to agree to, uh, increased militarization, and uh, but in particular for the Middle East, let's say, and for around the world, the, the war on terror was posited as a global war on terror. That and that's obviously a carte blanche for militaries, the British military and European and American military, to go around the world and invade and bomb any country they want under the name of the war on terror. Now that's a that's a that seems to me to be a a, a good explanation as to why. There is all of this theater. Why they need to scare people? But you're saying that it it may be something more in the sense of there's a, there's that maybe, but it may also be in terms of control of the people back home for some other reason that's not necessarily imperial in nature. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no look. 
a lot of people say, well, it's about ring, ring, ring fencing the existing you know, resources that are available in the Middle East. And to be honest with you, we kind of achieved that quite some time ago. I mean, Saudi Arabia, client state, Israel, client state, Syria, about to go. Uh, most of the North African countries already gone. Um, hmm. Who else has got oil? Um, well, yeah. not struggling. Yemen. Yeah, yeah, East Africa. I mean, wherever those resources, let's be totally honest, we've kind of already got locked down. Um, that's not too difficult to do when you've got a couple of daisy cutters and a, you know, mm-hmm. a huge, um, a, a, a huge, a huge armies. I mean, but I think that the real, the real story is a little bit further in the future. It's probably about mm, maybe 10, 15 years in the future. Um, and, and that's going to be, well, you can see it happening now. I mean, another thing I touched on in my video is the whole anonymous thing. No matter whatever you may think of anonymous, it, they are, an organized um, form of protest um, for anyone, I guess, um, to be involved with. All you, all you really need is a computer, and that's about it. And they are attacking, um, I guess, what we call it, you know, the establishment. And I think the Jihadi John story, the efforts to link Jihadi John number one, which is Abdul Barry, to Anonymous, uh, was very clever because it tried to tie in a whole disparate or a whole, a whole range of opposition groups into one little BS story. You know, don't forget, because Abdul Barry is supposed to hang out with Anonymous, supposed to hang out with hacktivists, you know, and it, mm. are, are there ISIS fighters who are ex-Anonymous, you know, I mean, because they're always doing cyber attacks. You know, and don't forget that. You know, we must, be, and it's very interesting that only very recently there's been quite a lot of serious protests, not just on the computer screen, but actually on the street. You know, um, and I've got a very good hunch that if I was working for the intelligence services, uh, I'd be pretty worried about them. I'd be pretty damn scared. And um, you know, it's not all about Russell Brands of the world, and um, you know, it's kind of like. Joe Bloggs down the road who's just got a computer and is broke and is fed up, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that you really need to worry about when 10,000 show up in central London on a Friday. Yeah. Well, John, I think we're going to uh, let you go, leave it there. But listen, thanks a million for uh, for coming on and sharing your... There's not much. There's not much what? Yeah. Well, there's not much that wasn't in 1984, really. I mean, if you if 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 you read 1984, it is a blueprint, and um, there's not much really that's happening now that wasn't detailed in that book in 1948. I think it's worse um, to be honest. The whole look. One minute we're friends with ISIS. Pardon me. Well, it, you you may well be right, but I mean the idea of when Orwell's talking about how one minute. You've got big, you know, Oceania and Eurasia, other huge blocks. Well, that's pretty much happened. And you, one minute we're fighting ISIS, the next minute we're friends with them. Mm. And then we're going to erase the fact that we're friends with them. It's all happened. It's, you know, surveillance in the home, um, an out-of-control police state, constant revisionism. Everything has happened. So there's no indication that, um, to me, that the entire book... <laughs> horrific as it is, isn't going to happen. And don't forget the whole idea of, you know, the, the class divisions, very strict class divisions. 
you're constantly reading the paper, dumb down schools, dumb down schools. How many people actually give a damn about this story? Not many. Mm. 1%, 2%, half a percent? The other 98% are going to carry on reading the Daily Express, carry on reading the Sun, carry on watching BBC, carry on watching CNN, carry on paying their taxes. So, you know, there's not much in it that isn't hasn't actually already been detailed in 1984, which is horrific, really, when you think about it, because it's a it's a very frightening book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, John, we're going to let you go. Yeah. But thanks a million for, for coming on. And uh, people can check you out on YouTube under John Ryman, or Y-M-A-N, and, um, and are you on Facebook as well? Don't do Facebook. Don't Good like job. Mark. Yeah, I don't like Mark. Okay, I'm like Mark Zuckerberg. No, All right. Well, uh, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be keeping keeping a watch on what you're doing, and I'm you, looking forward to the the your third one, your third documentary on yeah. this latest uh, incarnation of of Jihadi John uh, yeah. Muhammad um, Muhammad. What's the surname? M W A Z. M W A Z. Yeah. And the information you're pulling together on that should be should be very interesting, very useful, very important. I appreciate uh, giving me the opportunity to come on the show. You know, I really appreciate it. It's been, nope. um, I would say it's been fun, but you can't really call this Jeez. stuff fun. You know, I don't know what. No, you're not really. Well, but we do it anyway because it's the right it, thing it's, to do. It's our duty. It's so, our duty. Yeah. Thank you, John. We'll Thanks. talk to you soon. Thank you, the pair of you. Good night. All right, take it easy. Good night. All right. Folks, uh, that was depressing. So um, <laughs> we hope maybe we're going to maybe it's probably a good time to lighten things up a little bit as we do as we have been doing recently uh, with our old friend. It's a relic here, camped out in the tundra, in my cozy little log cabin on the permafrost shores of Upper Lake Canada, where the air is so cold, you can actually make little ice cubes with your breath. Comes in pretty handy for those spontaneous frozen margarita parties that tend to pop up from time to time. So, I've been keeping abreast of all the latest Hollywood news stories that have crossed my Google book window over the last week, and we have some interesting stories to share with you today. Our first story combines both entertainment and politics, the two being intertwixably entwined because when... Nothing is more entertaining than a government populated by a bunch of clowns, and no one does a more convincing job of acting than a politician pretending to be a caring human being, if you catch my drift. We have some news from the Middle East last week, where Israeli Prime Minister... Benjamin Netanyahu was narrowly re-elected, 
due primarily, I believe, to the very outspoken and public support from action movie star Chuck Norris. As a devout evangelical Christian and staunch supporter of the conservative party, it makes sense that the Delta Force star would lend his legendary clout to the embattled Israeli Prime Minister. It's like a match made in Hades. According to his autobiography, when Chuck Norris was born, it took 17 rabbis working around the clock using a diamond-encrusted titanium drill bit to successfully complete his circumcision. (laughs) And when Chuck Norris turned 12 years old, his family gave him a raise-the-bar mitzvah. (laughs) Also, I'm told that the famous prayer wall in Jerusalem's old city was only named the Wailing Wall after a visit from Chuck Norris. Also, to show his gratitude for the actor's support, Bibi has pledged to change the symbol on the Israeli flag to a five-pointed star in honor of Walker, Texas Ranger. And lastly... Prime Minister Netanyahu has now promised to appropriate all the remaining Palestinian land in order to make room for Chuck Norris's beard. All of those are true stories. In other news, Us Magazine is reporting that some little-known actress and former model named Chloe Sevigny, who recently posed on the cover of the Marfa Journal magazine, wearing nothing but a live lobster for underwear, gave an interview where she publicly dissed America's sweetheart, Miss Jennifer Lawrence, saying that she finds the Silver Linings playbook actress to be overly annoying and crass because she once tripped on the Oscar red carpet. Well, whoop-de-doo, kids. Them some pretty harsh words coming from a minor celebrity that nobody's ever heard of and whose indie film credits include supporting roles in such monster hits as The Last Days of Disco and Julian Donkey Boy and some 2003 art house film called Brown Buddy, which Wikipedia quotes as a film that caused significant controversy because of a scene where the actress performs unsimulated flatio. Flatio? What the, what the hell is that? Sounds to me like some kind of weird Italian dessert. Well, I can only hope that they make it with xylitol, so the rest of us can enjoy it as well. Jennifer Lawrence, or J-Law, as she's known in entertainment circles, is probably best known for playing the role of Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games movies. 
And if you're not familiar with this series of young adult novels, The Hunger Games tells of a group of alienated teenagers from poor and disenfranchised neighborhoods who are pitted against each other with improvised weapons in a violent fight to the death. The story was originally going to be called Once Upon a Time in America, but apparently that title was already taken. And our last story for the evening, according to the BBC, the wife of Prince William, heir to the British throne, Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, has paid a surprise visit to the set of Downtown Abbey this week, touring the makeup room and costume department, and she even watched a live scene being filmed. Well, who better to set a prime example of the archaic British tradition of uppity lords and ladies lounging around doing nothing all day, other than waving at the plebes and and mistreating lowly servants, and reinforcing the division of class by birth, than a member of the actual royal family. She'll show them how it's really done. And why do they call it Downtown Abbey anyway? It's set in the English countryside, and there's no monks or nuns anywhere to be seen. Talk about a case of false advertising. Maybe I'll write them a letter to complain. Continuing on with news of Downtown Abbey, according to the CBC, Dame Maggie Smith, who plays the haughty and formidable matriarch, Dowager Countess, has hinted that she will be leaving the show after next season. A classic character and fan favorite, Lady Grantham's many acerbic and witty one-liners are sure to epitomize the notion of the zinger for years to come. Why does every day involve a fight with an American? Oh, Cousin Violet, you're a gal after my own heart. I swear, if I was only 30 years younger, you and I might have had a thing going on. Well, in case you didn't know, dear listeners... Old Relic here will be turning a hundred and seven years old next month. And the doctor says I, I don't look a day over ninety-nine. What do you think, Master Yoda? When nine hundred years old you reach, look as good you or not. All right. I'll try and keep that in mind. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Indeed. Well, that's all for this week, kids. Until next time, it's old Relic here, throwing some more kindling into the old wood stove and saying, always remember, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. So there you go. That was from Relic, his latest fantastic, very informative and very accurate pop culture roundup. Um, 107. I didn't know uh, he was that uh, young. Actually, I thought he was about <laughs> 120 at least. But <clears throat> yeah, he's obviously he looks, looks he looks good for his age. He does look good. Yeah, we've, we've met him, and he's pretty uh, he's pretty spry looking actually. Anyway, um, I think we're gonna leave it there for this week, folks. 
Um, thanks to John for being our guest and for having a chat with us. And thanks to our caller, um, Greg from Tennessee. Always, always welcome, Greg. And to our listeners and chatters. Uh, we will be back next week with another show. Until then, check out our health and wellness show on Mondays and the Truth Perspective on Saturdays. See you then. Bye-bye.